Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Hello. I am Dave Denholm, and you are on the home of world football in Southern California. It's a pleasure to be with you as we are each and every week. This is a special Friday edition for the next hour here on ESPN LA 710. We are going to break down and work up the minutiae that is world football. What's on tap tonight on Soccer Weekly? Sponsored by Pocock Brewing. Visit PocockBrewing.com to see what's on tap right now in their tasting room. Pocock Brewing Company. Embrace life. Drink good beer. Some very interesting stuff to get to this week. 877-710-ESPN is the number for you to get involved. Because I want to talk about Western Conference playoff race in MLS. It is tight as a drum in the West. Much to still be decided in a handful of games left for each team. Every team essentially with either four or five games to go in the playoff race in the Western Conference, including LAFC, which you hear right here on ESPN LA 710. You'll hear it right here tomorrow as they take on Chicago Fire in Chicago. Pre-game starts at 12 o'clock, is it, Mario? Kickoff's near... Yes, sir, 12 o'clock. Frankly, kickoff is near 1 o'clock. We're we are pre-gaming it up because of the Univision coverage also on TV. So we got a lot of build-up for that. Join us at noon, and we'll go right to kickoff of that game. And LA Galaxy with four games left. Are they about to make a liar out of me? Right? Because a few weeks ago I came on here and said they're dead. It's done. Cannot... And will not make the playoffs. Well, welcome to the Western Conference in MLS. As things go down to the wire, Seattle starts stubbing their toe every week now. Real Salt Lake not going to run away from anyone. Portland Timbers struggling a little bit. Although the Timbers still six points ahead of the Galaxy. But the Galaxy are currently seventh. I know Vancouver has a game in hand. But guess who that game is against? Yeah, tomorrow, Galaxy hosting Vancouver. So you're talking about a six-pointer right there. Are the Galaxy about to make a liar out of me? We'll talk with Josh Kessman, a buddy of mine, who does the very good Corner of the Galaxy podcast. He's been doing that for years. He's a friend of the show. We'll chat with him coming up at the bottom of the hour a little bit about what's going on. But what in the world is happening in this West. LAFC, now, they have nothing clinched. Just to let you know, here are the clinching scenarios for LAFC, which, you know, they're close. They clinch a playoff berth if they win versus Chicago and Galaxy loser tie against Vancouver and Portland loser tie versus FC Dallas. LAFC can clinch in another way. They can win against Chicago. Basically, they have to win against Chicago. Then Galaxy lose or tie versus Vancouver, and Real Salt Lake loses or ties against Sporting Kansas City. Or the win against Chicago, Portland drops points against FC Dallas, and Real Salt Lake drops points. So there's all those combinations there. Not as far-fetched as you would imagine, obviously, in terms of clinching actually tomorrow. But still, a lot of work to be done for all these teams. So plenty to play for. And yet, we're talking about possibly clinching, right? LAFC legitimately... Now, look, they're nine points ahead of the Galaxy, the seventh place team. 
with five five games to go for LAFC and only four for the Galaxy. LAFC is going to make the playoffs, but they legitimately could. They could be first in the West, only three points back of Dallas, right? As, as I see my producer, the producer for LAFC, the great Mario Reese, fist like basically just like give a big fist in the air, like yes, first in the what? West. First in the West, or Mario, cover your ears. They could finish fifth in the West. I mean, it's all... That's how tight it is. Yes. That's the craziness. And, you know, it's not just fill-in-the-blank LAFC. Like, Portland, same thing. (laughs) Although Portland less likely to win the West at 47 points right now. FC Dallas, they could finish first. They're leading the West. Or they could finish third or fourth. Sporting Kansas City, they could win the West. They could finish third or fourth. It's crazy. This is not Major League Baseball, where we knew what was going to happen playoff-wise back in July. So much positioning still to get to. Big games this weekend. Chicago, of course, hosting LAFC. Galaxy hosting Vancouver. Portland and FC Dallas playing each other in Portland. Oh, boy. Seattle, a team that is desperate for a win. They get Colorado. They have to win that game at home. Sounders have been struggling a little bit of late. So, everything to play for in MLS. 877-710-ESPN. 877-710-3776. And a question I want to ask. You know, there's so much talk about other teams that have done really well, no doubt, FC Dallas, Peter Vermees in Sporting Kansas City, Tata Martino in Atlanta, we'll get to him in a moment. Is Bob Bradley the coach of the year in MLS? That's a question I've been starting to think about. We're talking expansion team. I know that word, we didn't use it much this year, because it really didn't fit for LAFC very long. But is he the coach of the year in MLS? Not only because of what he's done. Look at, I mean, Carlos Vela goes away for the World Cup. All the uncertainty. Mark Anthony K gets hurt. Your captain leaves on a transfer. Right? That's like akin to some basketball team's captain in the middle of the season going off to Real Madrid's hoops team. It's just been amazing. And the steady, consistent way of Bob Bradley has this team on 50 points. That's just unbelievable. And again, it's an organizational thing, right? Bradley, a big part of it, of course, but they built this team. It's a question to ask now. And and honestly, not because I didn't think Bob Bradley was worthy, but... A lot of other guys certainly worthy as well for the honor of Coach of the Year. But if you look in the East, yes, Tata Martino, Atlanta's been fantastic. He's got rumors swirling around about him. And they just won't go away, as you might expect for a manager of his stature. If you've been reading on ESPN FC, which you should, I love ESPN FC. No, just not because they're in the family here. I'm just, I follow it if you're a soccer fan. And of course, they're talking about the rumors that are coming out in the media in Mexico, 
South America, and they have to do with El Tree and Argentina, those jobs, no doubt. How amazing is that, though, that a manager in MLS is at least rumored, and he's talking to the media about it, he's at least rumored to be in the line to be a candidate for El Tree or Argentina. And he coaches Atlanta United. I cannot stress this enough, soccer fan driving around now listening to me. And you know I love what LAFC has done. You know Zlatan Ibrahimovic is must-see TV. But if you're not watching Atlanta United as well, you're missing out. That offense is just ridiculous. Tata Martino has them firing on all cylinders. I mean, it's just fun to watch as a neutral. That's why I love watching them. Because most games, I don't really care who wins their game. Honestly. Most of the time, it doesn't affect... I mean, sometimes it affects a Western Conference team, of course, but... Most of the time, I just want to watch them. They're just that good. In 30 games, Atlanta scored 65 goals. 30 of them from Joseph Martinez. I've just not seen anything like it. It's been that fun. We'll get talking more about that as well. No question. We'll take a break. So much more to get to again. Talking Galaxy later with Joss Gessman. Might have a special guest coming up in just a minute, so stick around for that. I'm Dave Dadholm. You are listening to Soccer Weekly, ESPNLA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPNLA 710. I am Dave Dadholm. This is the Black and Gold Breakdown, and who better to talk to than a friend of the show? He is the Vice President and General Manager of LAFC joining us and we really appreciate him taking the time. He is a John Thorrington. John, thanks so much for joining us, man. Not a problem, Dave. John, let me ask you this. It has been a magnificent first season. You guys have been building this for a while. It's not as though it was unexpected based on the roster you had built and what you were doing and bringing in Bob Bradley and the job he's done. Has anything surprised you pleasantly, though, about this season? Yeah, I mean, I think... Thank you for those kind words. We certainly are are pleased with where we sit. And while you use the word, uh, I don't I don't necessarily say we expected it to go as well as it's gone to date. And we certainly know we have a bit of work to do to finish this race well. I guess if you were to ask me what surprised me, I do. I was always confident that we were with the staff and the players and our process that we were setting up laying a foundation that would be that would lead to success. I think what I would say surprised me to answer your question is how quickly Bob and his staff and the players established our playing identity on the field. I think one of our goals was to say if you could look at our team colorblind and pick out which team is LAFC, I was surprised how quickly uh, you know the staff and players were able to to establish that. And is that, is that really, is that exactly the vision you guys had going in? Is this the kind of team you wanted to see? Yeah, I mean, I think that is just a litmus test of us being what we said we would be. We, we came out and 
we there was a lot of conversation what type of team is this going to be and we were fairly bold in what we said we were going to do and I think as the signings of the players and the and the staff and what have you took place over time I think we started to see the pieces fall into place but you know I think that that statement of saying which team is LAFC and creating a really clear playing identity and being convicted about it in in good and bad times because we have had uh, you know some highs and lows this year but we have you know, remain convicted and disciplined in our approach of what we want to be about. And, you know, I think in, in part that's led to some of our success to date. And anytime I talk about success to date, it's, you know, we didn't, it's not successful if you do it, uh, through 85% of the season. We've got to, we got to finish the race well. And I think we're set up to do so. We are talking with John Thorrington, vice president and general manager of LAFC, and he's talking about finishing the race. Five games to go, including tomorrow's game in Chicago. You'll hear it right here on ESPN LA 710. John, let me ask you this. As a former player, of course, you uh, spent a lot of time on the pitch. Who on LAFC right now would you be, in other words? Who, who most resembles John Thorrington, the player, for maybe some of the young kids who are following LAFC? Nobody. Our our players are far better than I was. <laughs> I I didn't um, think you'd say quite that, but that is a very good answer. I must say, be honest. I think there's a guy in my mind that I would say, but I want to see. Um, if it's it's you know I don't I, I haven't thought of that. What I, here's what I would say how I would. I'm not going to answer your question directly, not to evade it, but what I have seen and thought and appreciated is when I look at our team, it's a team that I would love to have been good enough to play in, and that's not just you know, the, the caliber of players, but the way they play. And the other part of that is I would have loved to be a player and played for the staff that we have, their attention to detail and how they, they care about each guy as a person and as a player, and they are all so, so committed about improving every single one of our players. And I think that is another story that is a, that, a narrative of our season, which is we've taken players – from every different mechanism that we can sign players is drafting them, that's signing them from USL, signing them from abroad, trading within the league, veterans, young players, and our staff, I think every single player, uh, and a lot, of the play, a lot of the credit has to go to the individuals as well, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's really a collective effort from our staff, from video to data to um, the man management, everything uh, that our staff does. I would love to be a player uh, and play for a staff as good as the one Bob uh, Bob has, and the, actually the correct answer, John, is Eduardo Tuesta. If you're wondering, but uh, I, I will say this: uh, Edward is. Uh, I think Edward will have a far, far better career than well, I, I do. I'll be honest with you. I love you, John. You know that. But I was going to say he is a little bit better than you at his age. Certainly, at uh, what twenty twenty one yeah, years I, old. Uh, <laughs> we'll have a conversation offline about why I would disagree <laughs> with your. Uh, it's the style. You were that kind of player, yeah. though. I, you really were. So, John, as we look at this team, with all the good, of course, it's a long season. Things happen, the ups and downs. LAFC has faced those two, just like every other team. And not the least of which injuries, which you know nobody can really project, but except for to build a good roster, which you have. You've had some other things that have happened with Laurent Simon going and the, t- the team wishing him well and making that happen. That's the world of soccer that we live in. What about some of the rumors that are flying, John? I want to talk a little bit about where's the situation with Walker Zimmerman right now so the fans can find out about that. Yeah, I think, you know, what Walker said is is great. The best answer you could have given that he's focused on 
on winning. We, um, you know, like, like all of our players and at different phases of their contract, we enter these talks. I would love for, we would love for Walker to, uh, to be a part of LAFC for next year and the years to come. And we're in an ongoing negotiation. I'm not going to get into too sure. details of that. I, I hope we can, um, align in our valuation and, and move forward together. And time will tell if we're able to do that. Has any team approached you about assistant coach Mark Dos Santos in terms of uh, making uh, making him possibly their manager? Um, I can't speak to that. Okay. Those are rumors flying around, of course, as we mentioned. Those are good problems to have if you're LAFC, if indeed those things uh, do ever they take are, place, because that's a good organization. They are in a, cer- they are in a certain sense. Yeah. And look, yeah. I think that's a part of having a good staff, having good players. I'm not confirming those rumors, but... The good in that is that certainly we are proud of the staff we have and, and people taking notice would not come as a surprise, both of our players and our staff. That's very fair. Uh, Mark, let me ask you about a player that I thought I, I wanted to keep my eye on because I had watched him down in Uruguay. We've talked about him before, and that's Diego Rossi. Seeing him grow up at Peñarol and the way he did and the way you guys discovered that and kind of felt that he could fit in. I've just been amazed at how really he has absolutely grown. He's been consistent, and yet he's grown as a player, I think, in this season. Talk a little bit about Rossi on the pitch for you guys. Yeah, I mean, I think what we saw with, with Diego was he had shown that he had the – he does have a final product to his game, so it's not all potential, but that potential for growth that we are starting to see was the most exciting and is the most exciting thing about Diego and – Bob and I both took multiple trips down there to see him play live as well as uh, as meet with him and understand what he's like and what motivates him and whether uh, it was the right mutual fit for, for LAFC and for Diego. And, you know, for us, I think Diego, it's about becoming consistent, you know, more and more consistent. It's about his end product, more goals, more assists. He's got so much talent with how he can move with his finishing ability um, how he can play wide, how he can play through the middle. And we're certainly excited to have him as a part of our future. And I think, again, when I, when I reference the work that the, the coaching staff does, um, certainly Diego is evidence of that, that he came in a very good player and I think has continued and made great strides this year. Yeah, absolutely. John, let me ask you this. I know a lot of fans ask about it. They want to know just get updates generally speaking about how the academy is doing we we know it's very it's been a very positive start to LAFC's academy where are they at right now this season yeah so they have started their developmental their DA season at all age groups so the way we have gone about it is a bottom up philosophy where mm-hmm. we are we've we started with a group of boys that were uh born in 04 which were made up an under 12s team and now those 04s are under 15 and we backfill at the younger age each level. So those 15s will become 17s next year, and then 19s, et cetera. So that's the way we have set out um, building our academy, and I think we've uh, we've been pleased to see how that process has gone. And, you know, I think the first team understandably gets a lot of attention, but I think arguably the success story of LAFC to date, certainly in, in large part, is what our academy has managed to do in two very short years. I mean, we're, uh, again, a, a phenomenal staff, similar philosophy in terms of people and players and playing style and identity that we have at the first team level. They work in the same offices as, as Bob and, and myself, so there is this real alignment um, and collaboration that takes place each and every day. And 
I think, you know, the, the team success is one thing. We never, we don't stress results over performance. I think the results come as a function of having good players. That's yeah. the way we look at it. And, and certainly results have been there. But for us, we're, we're focused on individuals. And if you look at those metrics by, you know, we've got the most players currently yeah, that are eligible for nationals, more players in that pool than any other club or academy um, in those age groups. That's certainly something that we are very proud of and is just a testament to the hard work of our scouts and our staff uh, at those age groups. We are talking with the general manager of LAFC, John Thorrington, here on the Black and Gold Breakdown. John, thanks so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. We'll see you soon. You got it, Dave. Look forward to a few few good calls from you tomorrow. Sounds good. I do, too. I hope so. Thank you so much. Let's hope I can get that delivered to John Thorrington, the executive vice president and general manager of LAFC. And now that he's off the air, I can say, like, what a job he's done, right? I mean, we've been talking about it all year. You know, Bob Bradley certainly has been fantastic. John Thorrington and his staff. Will and all the guys, the guys who work with them, the uh, men and women who run LAFC's front office, have done a brilliant job. Because it has not been all rose petals and marigolds and follow the yellow brick road, right? If you really think about it, like every team, and nobody's going to make excuses, injuries, guys wanting to leave, Laurent Simon, not because you know he hated LAFC by any means. It was a good opportunity, and it's it's the world of football that we love. But they have made that happen. Rumors, right? And some he can't address, and some he could. All this stuff. This is professional sport. You got to get through it. And they've done a great job of that. That's the black and gold breakdown. Appreciate him joining us. Coming up, we're going to talk LA Galaxy. With a friend of mine from Corner of the Galaxy, a great podcast. He's Josh Geshman. He's coming up next here. I'm Dave Denholm, and you are listening to Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. This is Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football in Southern California. Thanks again to John Thorrington, GM of LAFC, who joined us just moments ago. Time now for the health report on Soccer Weekly, sponsored by LA Care, as the nation's largest community-inspired health plan. L.A. Care, elevating health care in the city of angels. L.A. Care for all of L.A. L.A.Care.org. Well, it is a bit of a rough time for injury-wise for LAFC. Latif Blessing now suffering from a hip injury. Looks like he might be out for the Chicago match. Danilo Silva still with a hamstring. And, of course, Aaron Kovar with the knee. You've got the long-term in- injuries we've had with uh, Quillen Roberts and Mark Anthony K as well. For Chicago Fire, they've just got a bunch of injuries where people are out, and they've been out for a while. Luis Solnyak, a part of that. Christian Dean, Grant Lillard, Diego Campos. On the day-to-day, it doesn't look too bad for the guys who have been playing recently for Chicago Fire. So that's your MLS and L.A. Care injury report. Joining us now, as promised, he is the host of Corner of the Galaxy, podcast that follows all things L.A. Galaxy and MLS and beyond. My buddy Josh Gessman. Josh, thanks so much for taking the time, man. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it. And Josh, uh, LA Galaxy are making a fool out of me, it looks like. Uh, a couple of weeks ago on this very program, I pretty much buried them. Said they had no shot at the playoffs. They were dead and done. And a despicable season was going to come to an end with a, a whimper. Are they going to make a fool out of me here in these final four games, Josh? 
I mean, they have a chance, Dave. The, the, the path is very narrow to the playoffs for the LA Galaxy, but it's at least simplistic in their mind. Uh, they just win every game. Uh, they win every game, and, and I think things fall their way, and they probably squeak in. And what they can do from there is, uh, of course, uh, MLS legend and lore. Everybody knows that if you get in the playoffs in Major League Soccer and you're, uh, you're feeling hot, anything can happen from there. But, I, I mean, they still have some really tough games coming down the stretch. Um, another must-win, and I feel like they've been playing must-win games now for the past, uh, you know, three or four games, and, and some of those weren't, weren't wins. So uh, the big win over Seattle was, was a little surprising, but if you talk to the players, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic especially, they seem to be uh, acting like they figured something out against Seattle, or at least that gave them a boost in confidence. So uh, they, they definitely could make a full view, and of a, a lot of people if they continue to win. Uh, winning, I think, puts them in the playoffs. Well, I've gotten a lot right about the Galaxy this year and a lot wrong, if I'm being honest. It's just been that kind of year for me with LA Galaxy. One of the things I got right, Josh, and look, this is no big shock, but I knew Zlatan was going to be a success. I knew it, and and I know you did. I know a lot of people did. I thought it was a good move. Some didn't. I just never understood that, Josh. This guy is an amazing talent and from day one has proven it this season. Yeah, I mean, not not just from day one, but I mean, just just the way he arrives in Los Angeles, the way he's announced, um, the way he comes to play every game, and and quite honestly, the way he interacts with the press and the fans um, has totally blown any preconceived notion I had about him. Uh, you expect this arrogant sort of smug guy to come in. We've all heard about the big ego of Zlatan Ibrahimovic and how it has its own gravity. Uh, and he comes in, and you, you get it when you talk to him. He's he's fun, and he enjoys saying the things he says. And maybe it's not always a hundred percent, you know, truthful about what he say. He, he knows it's a little bit of an act. And he likes enjoying and playing the character of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and that has been, uh, without a doubt, the most fun thing this season for me to be able to cover is is watching Zlatan uh, interact with people and just the way that he answers questions. And you can even feel some of the outrageous answers coming. But on the field. <laughs> Um, he's demanded excellence from everybody, and sometimes that's rubbed people the wrong way, and uh, and sometimes that's gotten a lot of results. And certainly with his 18 goals and nine assists on the season so far for the LA Galaxy, the clear MVP for the team, uh, not much of a vote there in terms of that. But I, I really think that uh, his confidence is starting to sort of spill over to, to some of the other players now, especially in this, this late stretch. Yeah. I don't care what kind of fool you are to think that I'm about what I'm about to say isn't true, but... That dude can still play on any pitch in the world with any team, in my estimate. I'm serious. He is amazing, no doubt. Josh, he's been a big part of 57 goals for the Galaxy, which, oh, by the way, has tied LAFC in terms of goals scored for second best in MLS, in case anybody's wondering. Problem becomes, Josh, and you've been talking about it all year as I listen to you, this defense, holy cow. I mean, there has just been no answer for one of the worst defenses. If there, if it wasn't for Orlando and San Jose, this is one of the worst defenses I've ever seen in MLS. Yeah, I mean, it's it's bordering on, uh, again, being the worst defense the LA Galaxy franchise has ever happened. Uh, in 2017, they gave up 67 goals. Uh, they're sitting on 59 right now, and quite honestly, the projections had them going above 67 until they got the shutout against Seattle. A surprise shutout yeah. uh, for, against Seattle. So um, some things clicking, and, and quite honestly, a surprise pairing in the mid, in the middle of that defense as well. For most of the year, it's been Michael Ciani and Jordan Shelvick. You had those two guys being paired in central defense, and it, and it hasn't worked. And you go back to Dave Romney and, and Dan Starris, who did an unbelievable job against Seattle. Uh, one shot on goal total and just a bunch of blocked shots, and they got in the way of everything. 
So I, I think, you know, interim head coach Dominic Kinnear there will have a, have a, sort of a, a choice to make. Uh, Sheldick was out last week with the flu. He's back 100% ready and, and apparently ready for selection on Saturday. So you put Jorgen Sheldick back in the center-back position, a place he, he's only missed one game this whole year. So is that something you want to mess with the chemistry of the defense that just had a shutout after they basically bled goals for most of the season? We're talking with Josh Gessman, a friend of the show, who also uh, handles the duties over at Corner of the Galaxy if you're a Galaxy fan, I'm sure you've already been following it, but if you haven't, check it out. The great, great podcast. Josh, what's going on now? I know Chris Klein is on it, but what's going on with the search for the you know the full-time manager, if you will? Where's Dom Kinnear fit in all that, if he does, and who else might be fitting in? Yeah, I don't think, and it doesn't seem that way, at least right now, that Dominic Kinnear will be considered for the position. It just doesn't seem that uh, Chris Klein, the rest of the LA Galaxy front office, are leaning that way, which... Might be a little disappointing, especially I know the players love Dominic Kinnear, but uh, I think in long terms of long term and how the Galaxy are trying to think this time around after uh, failing with Curtin Alfa and Siggy Schmidt, that they're trying to think more long term, a little more strategically, and, and Dominic Kinnear per- probably doesn't fit that. Um, the real targets, at least it seems that the real targets, are uh, are targets also maybe the U.S. men's national team. Greg Berhalter's probably top on the list, but might be difficult to possibly pull away from the U.S. men's national team if that's the way he's going to be pulled. Uh, Caleb Porter is the other one and maybe the leader in the clubhouse right now. Uh, Caleb Porter has a good relationship with Chris Klein. Um, whether or not there's going to be a GM brought in, remember Siggy Schmidt took over the player personnel decisions, uh, but you still had uh, Vice President of Operations Pete Bianis there. Um, so, you know, if you bring in Caleb Porter, is there also going to be a general manager involved? And if there's a GM involved, Dave, do you hire the GM before the coach? That's usually the way it goes, but that may <laughs> not be the way everything shakes out with San Jose. Ah, uh, the and Galaxy. Also yeah. Looking. yeah. <laughs> Let's go hire the coach and then get the GM. It, it very well could come down to that. I, I think they're feeling pressure from San Jose and Vancouver, both uh, looking for coaches and, and sniffing around uh San Jose has, uh, I've rumored to be sniffing around Caleb Porter, so if the Galaxy want Porter, maybe they have to move sooner than they want. Maybe that negates the whole GM uh, before the coach thing. I know a lot of people, look, it's easy to you know criticize a team that was so dreadful last year and may miss the playoffs this year, but it, are those coaching choices, to you, Josh, you're around this team all the are they big enough, quote-unquote, for this organization? I, I like the Burhalter choice if they go that direction just the the connection with the club former galaxy player uh under bruce arena a player coach under bruce arena as well so i like the connection there and i think burhalter commands enough attention uh from the galaxy front office to be able to control everything gm uh you know technical director however he, he'll he'll get it all um porter i think might be a little bit of a of a, of a miss for the galaxy but it may also end up being better long term if they go out and hire you know, a GM like maybe Ali Curtis or, or somebody else who can really put a long-term plan in place because that's what's been missing with this team. So uh, is it big enough, Dave? I mean, you know, Zinedine Zidane might not be big enough for the Galaxy sometimes, it feels <laughs> like, with, uh, certainly for Galaxy fans. I, I've been throwing out a bunch of names uh, that should be coming over as coaches. But, yeah, I mean, there's always that question, is it big enough for to be in L.A.? All right, I got the easy one right with Zlatan, Josh, but I got the I got yeah. a tough one really wrong. I really felt like Gio Dos Santos would come back from the World Cup, you know, with no more fear of getting injured before the World Cup and really be a factor. Now, there's been some glimpses, as there always are, with Gio Dos Santos, but what in the world? I mean, this has been a colossal failure with this dude ever since Robbie Keane left. Yeah, it has not uh, gone Gio's way this year at all. I think he's played. 
30 or less than 31% of the total available minutes to, uh, to the LA. I love those stats you use, by the way, on your show. You, <laughs> yeah, I know you, I know you go to them, not all the time, but when you pull them out, they're very effective. Yeah, so, I, I mean, you look at Gio, three goals on the season. I think he's played 13 games total, uh, maybe a little around 800 minutes or so. It might be 100 minutes off or so, whatever you're looking at. But, yeah, I mean, uh, no impact this year on the Galaxy whatsoever. Um, yeah. In fact, they may actually play better without it, with him out off the field. Uh, injuries, or at least what we expect, or injuries have kept him from really making any appearances whatsoever. Uh, he still has one year left on his contract, Dave, which is sort of the, the real big question. And there's a there's sort of a a rumble or at least a, a, a rumor or, or maybe it's just reporters sort of talking to each other that you won't see Giovanni Dos Santos down the stretch in these last four games. And it could be the last four games that Gio plays. Now, maybe that's a little optimistic for, for Galaxy fans to think that Giovanni Dos Santos won't be back on the field in 2019 and possibly earning six or six and a half million dollars in 2019, highest paid player on the LA Galaxy. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there really seems to be a dip in his interest with the LA Galaxy this year, and whether it's just all injuries and it's just been a poor year for him or anything else, uh, I feel like Galaxy fans, feel like even the Galaxy front office might be uh, finally at their wit's end with Giovanni Del Santo. Now, is that a package deal? I mean, we know it seems like that with his brother, because Jonathan's had some good moments, certainly, and has not been a bad player by any means. Is Does it have to be a package kind of thing going forward? You know, I started out that way. I certainly said that if you're bringing Jonathan in, then he's linked with Gio forever, and Jonathan probably gets a bad rap a lot of times just because he has the same last name as his brother. Um, Jonathan, I think, has been maybe the second or third best player on the Galaxy this year. Wow. Uh, also had some injuries that sort of have kept him. I really love this play against Seattle. I thought he was priceless against Seattle, probably the man of the match. Um, so I think the Galaxy would love to keep him, and I actually think that without Gio on the field that Jonah is a better player. And I think that without Gio at a club, Jonah could be even better without Gio uh, around sort of as a bad influence, just my opinion. But, um, yeah, I, I no longer think it's a package deal anymore, Dave. I think that they can move on from Giovanni Dos Santos and keep Jonathan Dos Santos. And if you have that option as the L.A. Galaxy, you need to pull the trigger on whatever deal that is. Josh, let me ask you this final question here. You know, with the Galaxy, of course, it's all about if they make the playoff. there. But they had a successful season against LAFC. Let's bring it back yeah. to that rivalry, getting getting points in those games, maybe, you know, surprisingly in a lot of ways, the way they did it, keep battling. You know, if that hadn't happened, oh, my goodness, could you imagine if those things had been reversed for both clubs? Now, it's yeah, not, gonna, mean, it, it's not yeah. gonna make it a successful season if they don't make the playoffs because they did well against LAFC. How do the fans handle that, though? Are they, are they reasonably happy with that in, in the sense of maybe a little bit of a, uh, you know, kind of a consolation prize, if you will? I think there's two minds of that, right? It's, it's, uh, I don't know. It, it sort of even goes back to my college days at Arizona State. That they always told the coaches <laughs> that you have to beat uh, the University of Arizona, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you do that, you can keep your job. Um, you know, the fact that Calvary did that, that's great. Um, I think that, they're, that the players are, are, you know, motivated by the fact that they, they kept LASC from beating them at any time this year. I think the fans also enjoy that. But ultimately, the Galaxy are measured by one thing and one thing only, Dave. And you know that. It's all about championships and the five MLS Cups that they have. In the in the trophy cabinet are, are what motivates this team. So I mean, yeah, it's a it's a maybe a moral victory if you can call it that. But I think the Galaxy still have bigger sights, uh, sort of set on championships, and it's been sort of difficult, I think, for fans and everybody else to adjust to the fact that you know just trying to make the playoffs right now is a major goal. And if they do make the playoffs, I honestly believe this season is a success from what they were last year, um, especially going through a, another head coach. So. 
I mean, it's sort of, you know, success by degrees in different ways there, Dave, but um, I I think Galaxy fans and I think Galaxy players also understand that, you know, the ultimate measure of this club is with championships, and that'll always be that way. Josh, when the LA Galaxy continue to blow me off, brother, here at Soccer Weekly, I go to the next best thing. That's you, man. Thanks so much for taking the time. Corner of the Galaxy podcast, we love you. Josh Gessman, a friend of the show. Josh, thanks so much for taking the time, man. Thanks, Dave. You bet. Josh Gessman, check him out. Corner of the Galaxy there. Yeah, I'm not playing around. He knows what he's talking about with LA Galaxy. If they're not going to come talk to me, I got no problem going there. Good stuff from Josh. Soccer Weekly presented by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2018 Toyota Camry SE today at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out. PuenteHillsToyota.com. You know what's coming up. You love it. It's stoppage time. Plus, we got a story that is harrowing, to say the least, about Cristiano Ronaldo. That and so much more still to come. Soccer Weekly, Dave Dunhamman, you, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm, hanging out with you. You know, we like to have a lot of fun on this show. We've had a lot of fun here in this first nearly hour of this show. This this whole... First and foremost, I'm going to get to a story that's, you know, kind of ticking me off. Because it's about my Toluca. And they're playing, as we speak, against the dreaded Atlas. The terrible Atlas. And they're losing! One nil. How do you A, give up a goal to Atlas who can't score, and B, how are you losing? I know it's not quite halftime yet, but they're getting dominated according to the stats on ESPN. I haven't been able to watch this game live. It's my Toluca. They're third in the in League Amekis. I'm not going to get upset about it, but they're losing to Atlas. Bottom of the table. Let's turn that around in the second half, boys. Let's come on. That's just unacceptable. Ah, Liga Emekis, boy, I tell you, you can't turn your back on it, that's for sure. Now, we love to have that fun, but sometimes we've got to tell you some stories that we don't that are not funny at all. In the least. And this is a story that uh, is has got that kind of feel to it, needless to say. And it concerns the great Cristiano Ronaldo. And the weird thing, it's not a new story. I mean, there are new elements that are being broken now, and or coming out at least. Go to ESPNFC to read more about this. And it's it, it's from, basically what they're talking about is the lawyers for Cristiano Ronaldo have said they would sue a German magazine, Der Spiegel. And according to his lawyers, it's because they published blatantly, quote-unquote, blatantly illegal accusations By an American woman who alleges she was raped by Ronaldo back in 2009. So it's a very heavy, serious story. And of course, as I mentioned, the incident occurring nearly 10 years ago. And there are some key factors that are coming out. Read the story. I'm not going to talk too much about it in terms of the actual story. I think ESPN even actually links up with the Der Spiegel article. That is in German, of course. But it's certainly, you know, obviously very harrowing and very dark in that sense. But it's something that should be, you know, taken a look at, obviously. 
So we'll see how that story develops from one of the greats in the game and just see where that goes over the next days, weeks, and months, potentially, and years, essentially. Just very, very, obviously very interesting, very you know, newsworthy, so I wanted to just mention that. But I, I would just suggest literally going to read about it at ESPN FC and the Der Spiegel article that came out in the German magazine. That's what got Cristiano Ronaldo's lawyers obviously fired up. And again, they're talking about possibly suing Der Spiegel for that article. So not to get off something so serious and try to jump right back into the humor and, and fun and all that, obviously, because you, you have to take that seriously, but... If you ever miss anything of the podcast each and every week, and we love to have a good time here, you can go check it out on, on, on iTunes, ESPN Pod Center, the great Michael Funches, Steve Paylette, Jesse Lopez. They all do a great job getting that stuff up virtually immediately. When my, when my headphones, I'm taking off my headphones now, they hit the table, like when we're done with the show, essentially the podcast is already up waiting for me. So I appreciate that. That's something you can have fun with. Tell your friends if they love soccer to listen to it. You can listen to it all over the country, all over the world. If you got some friends who hate soccer and you you know, you know kind of hate them, you can tell them to listen. Just to tick them off. Hey, it's time now for the best part of the show. What time is it? Well, it's stoppage time. As always, stoppage time brought to you by Puente Hill Chevy. Find new roads at Puente Hill Chevy off the 60 freeway in the city of industry. The San Gabriel Valley Chevy store. Say habla espanol like this fellow. The great Mario Rees. Mario, how are you, buddy? Hola, David. Como estas? Muy bien, gracias. Thank you. We all know FC Barcelona is one of the biggest teams in all of sports uh this right here i got a couple stories here but this one here is going to put it into perspective here fc barcelona has estimated it will generate record revenue of 960 million euros that's 1.1 billion dollars for the 2018-2019 season that's crazy. That's the, a lot of dough. The Spanish uh, champion also projected annual revenue to surpass 1 billion euros by 2021. Man, I, Barcelona just rakes it in, you know? Like, it's just, it's a juggernaut right now. Oh, yeah. Barcelona says expenditure will reach 900, 929 million euros this season and expects to generate 11 million euros of profit. That's, I mean, that's amazing, right? All that revenue. That's ridiculous. And look, they just spend it right back to the, you know. And But that's what a good club does, right? Of course. And Barcelona says it plans to redesign the club's emblem for the start of the next season. Did you hear about that, Dave? A new emblem. No. Now that's big news. Yeah, yeah. It's that's a be little cool. crazy. I hope they don't go too nuts because that's a beautiful No, they're not going to go too nuts. Yeah. It's not none too crazy. The most significant change would be the removal of the letters FCB, uh, which stand for uh, Football Club del Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And uh, which have been at the center of design for most more than 100 years. Wow! So that's been in the, the logo for over a hundred years, and they're taking it out. That's amazing. But let's remember, you know, people like to oh Barcelona. They go out and do this. They do that. La Masia has produced a lot of talent. Their academy, they spend money to produce young talent that they let build up. Not the least of which is Lionel Messi. Remember, they didn't <laughs> right. go spend 180 million on him or 400 million, right? He came up through La Masia like a lot of their players did, and essentially on at bargain basement prices that way. 
So that's pretty impressive. Now, they got money to spend, and they'll do it, Mario, but yeah. they also go that route, too. That's pretty good, I must say. Good stuff from Mario Rees, as always. We'll see what happens with Barcelona's logo, man. I'm going to keep my eyes on that. Yikes. That's absolutely huge. What a huge show. I got to tell you, it's the fastest hour in radio, man. It's already done. If you missed any of it, including the interview with John Thorrington, the LAFC general manager, Josh Gessman from Corner of the Galaxy, thanks to those fine gentlemen for joining me. I'm Dave Dunholm. Thanks so much to Michael Funches and Mario Rees. Each and every week, check us out. I know sometimes it's interesting to find you want to follow me on Twitter to know where we're at, at Talk Soccer. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710.